Hello everybody and welcome to the fine suburban residence that is Bud Towers here in the leafy suburb of Backwell. I thought we'd have it uh, the recording in the East Wing this time, David. Is that <laughs> Very good, yes. In the lofty East Wing <laughs> are the bats flying around the turrets as we sit here. I'm joined as ever by uh, Chris Bird. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Chris. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Chris Bird. Wrote the Financial Wellbeing book. Also wrote the Eternal Business book. And uh, rumours of my retirement are greatly exaggerated. I think is the expression following the sale of the business. Excellent. Well, maybe come on to that later on. And also, we're joined by producer Tomo. Introduce yourself, producer Tomo. Hi, everyone. Uh, producer Tomo. So, <laughs> produce this podcast, obviously, but. My normal day job is Chartered Financial Planner at Ovation Finance. And very good at it you are too, oh, so you told me to say. <laughs> uh, and my name's David Lloyd, and I'm the kind of dim witch that holds the whole things together by asking the questions that you, the listener, desperately want to know the answers to. Um, and remember, all of these podcasts are based around the Financial Wellbeing book uh, by my friend Chris. Uh, and uh, you can get that book, and we'll give you details about how you can get that at the end of the And podcast. just a little reminder, proceeds of the book go to the Petty Bron Cancer. They do indeed, yes. Um, so, Chris, what have you been up to recently? Do you know, I have had a very interesting time recently. I went to uh, a conference called the Economics of Happiness Conference, uh, held by two organisations, Local Futures and something called Happy City, which I'm involved with. The idea of Economics of Happiness is that uh, we measure economic prosperity, if you like, by GDP, by um, increase in turnover of the country. And the problem with that is that it includes things that aren't necessarily good. So, for example, landfill sites, if they do really, really well and make profit, then that increases GDP. But actually, that's wasted and that's not a good thing. So the argument is we should be measuring different things like happiness and well-being, which is what this podcast is all about. Really, really interesting. Um, just anybody wants to Google it, type in Economics of Happiness Conference. They happen all the time all over the world. Um, I think this was the eighth one or something. Uh, some really interesting speakers and one or two of whom I hope we've got lined up for future podcasts. What are we going to be talking about in today's podcast? Well, this week, David, that the podcast is going out is Talk Money Week, which is organised by the Financial Capability, which is a, a, an offshoot of the Money Advice Service. So we thought it would be a good time to discuss financial well-being in its kind of general terms and its, uh, take an overview of it and introduce a few new little ideas that we've come up with. And if I just jump in there, guys, if anyone wants to know a bit more about financial capability, this, this organisation, it's fincap.org.uk. Excellent. Well, I hope you're going to look that one up and find out a bit more about it. I certainly will, because I'm very intrigued by this whole notion. Anyway, moving on, before we come on to uh, discuss a little bit more about that, let's have one of our regular features where we select one of the many emails and letters that have literally been pouring into Ovation Finance by the sackload. What question are we answering this week? Well, I get a few questions. Tom is normally the one that brings a question from clients, but the most common question over the years I get is, is this a good time to invest? And as it's talk money week, it seems to be a good broad question that a lot of people will be asking. So, Tomo, is now a good time to be investing in the stock market? There's always a good time to be investing in the stock market. But I will give a bit more detail to that. Look, if you are planning, you know, if you've got a pot of cash that you think, do you know what, I'd like to see it earn a bit more, you know, there's got to be a reason why you would invest and it's often to get more than you get in the bank. And I'm going to give you some rules of thumb. If you're likely to need that money, say, within three, maybe five years' time, it's probably best kept somewhere safe so that if the markets went down on you, it doesn't matter. You know, essentially, you're going to need that pot of money that you saved up for that specific thing in three to five years' time. The rest of it is a good saying that 
that I haven't made this up, I, you might hear it around and it's called, you know, it's about time in the market, not timing the market. The point being that if you're in the market for long enough, you will reap the benefits of being in the market long enough. If you try and time the market, you might miss some of the best days of return. Um, and to be quite frank, nobody knows quite what's around the corner. It's a fool's errand trying to time the markets. So yeah, it, no, you can't time the markets, so don't try to. So if it's uh, you're trying to get in and out quickly and make a quick buck, then good luck to you, but we don't want to know anything about it. <laughs> but, well, but if you're invested for the next 20 years, then probably yes. To be frank, if you are trying to be in and out of the market in time in it, you're a speculator, not an investor. If you're an investor, as long as you don't need that money in the next three to five years, like I mentioned, just put it in there and just fire and forget and let it do its thing. And if you are the sort of person that's interested in getting in and out, you might want to listen to back to some of our old podcasts <laughs> with people like uh, Greg Davis and, and Neil Bage about behavioural finance and uh, the mistakes we all make. Thanks for that. So let's now move on to another one of our very popular features. Uh, time now to turn to our monarch of meanness as we discuss our latest tight-ass Tomo tips. If you remember, very quickly, for those of you that don't know it, uh, our producer, Tomo, once took Chris and another colleague out for a meal, insisted that they had one particular thing, which was indeed very nice, but it turned out that he got a voucher for it, which means that he got it for virtually nothing compared with what he could have been paying. Do you know what? Great over the it. years, over the years, David, you've got that little story down to a 10-second nugget. It's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so from that, the legend that is tight-ass Tomo was born... Um, and we've got some good tips, but before we hear from the master himself, I've actually got one as well that I brought. So I've got a computer at home, as indeed we nearly all have, and attached to that computer is a printer. And uh, about three or four months ago, my uh, uh, computer started flashing up, your printer is low on ink, and I thought, okay, must keep an eye on that. And then about a couple of weeks later, it said, your printer is out of ink, please replace the print cartridges. But I thought, well, actually, it's still working. Now, I have to say, to just caveat this, I don't necessarily use my printer that much, but I thought, well, I'll carry on using it. It was three months <laughs> after my computer told me that the, my printer was out of ink before it actually stopped working. So I reckon I saved myself three months' worth of printer ink by ignoring the message on my computer screen. Do you do the same thing when you're driving and it says you need petrol? <laughs> it's, no, it's because, a bit the, because the ramifications of that <laughs> are slightly different. Right, come on, Tomo, let's hear yours. This is the one that people are going to desperate to hear. OK, so uh, this one made me chuckle. Um, and it's probably not the most practical one I've ever, ever mentioned. But I got a text message from a very close friend of mine um, who does listen to the show. Hi, Tim. And he, we are close, we were groomsmen at each other's weddings, and he sent me a picture of himself saying, hashtag, tight as Tomo tip, recycle your groomsmen's wedding tie. So on my wedding day, I gave all the groomsmen a tie because they all had to look, look the same, and I said, that's yours to keep. And he recycles it at every wedding he goes, he wears it. <laughs> so I thought that was quite a nice one to share. Yeah, well, great no, idea. I'm all for that because there's a huge amount of money wasted at weddings, isn't there? Oh my God, you've got to get a chocolate fountain, you've got to have special name tags for the chairs, and little. Oh, there's a whole load of rubbish spent on weddings. Oh, I'm getting all cynical. Well, I, I wanted to do. Um, there's there's uh, somebody who we uh, we know on Twitter um, who follows us who uh, is a wedding photographer, 
and um, she actually has got some great wedding um, saving tips. So maybe we should do a wedding tight ass Tomo special. Oh, excellent idea. <laughs> I've got a spreadsheet in everything. <laughs> I'm sure it's safe somewhere. Right, okay, so if you're listening to this podcast and you've got a good idea for a wedding tight ass Tomo, send it in and we'll do a special on that. Great idea. Right, OK, let's move on then with the main event. Talk Money Week, what's that all about then? OK, so Talk Money Week is an initiative of a government body called the Financial Capability.org. I don't quite know what the end of the name is. But Fincap.org. Anyway. Thank you very much, Tommy. That's why he's here, you see. Uh, and this year, their theme is financial wellbeing. Well, it's very kind of them to finally realise how great this podcast is and feature us. Uh, sadly, that's not quite the case. Um, I saw that this was happening... And however, I thought it would be a good time for us to make a useful contribution to Talk Money Week. Well, that'd be the first. <laughs> <laughs> From looking at what it's trying to do, it's doing some great things, but naturally it tends to be around issues such as getting advice on debt and, and you know, helping people get back to having control over their finances. But our focus is a little different, isn't it, Chris? It is, yeah. So I wrote the Financial Wellbeing book partly as a result of a lot of financial wellbeing stuff being focused on debt and budgeting. Now, of course, that is really important, but there's lots of stuff, good stuff out there on that already. And what I wanted to do with the Financial Wellbeing book, and hopefully what we do with these podcasts, is we focus on how you can use your money to make yourself happier. Uh, not just wealthier. But, you know, debt is important and we do try and cover it. And that is covered quite a lot elsewhere. Yeah, but we've looked at debt issues as well, haven't we? I seem to recall a larger-than-life character. What was her name? Uh, Maria Nadeva. She was in episode 32. She Thank was you. brilliant, I thought. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this episode, I thought we'd look at financial well-being in general terms and um, look at what affects our financial well-being and what we can do to maximise it. Yeah, this sounds dangerous. It's like one of those American sitcom episodes where they contrive a situation so they can basically show clips from lots <laughs> of previous episodes. OK, well, we're, we're trying not uh, not to make this a clip show. Um, we've got some new ideas ideas and new thoughts, uh, hopefully to tie in with Talk Money Week um, and provide a positive slant on how people approach money. Right, so let's start at the beginning. Uh, and what actually is the beginning, Chris? Well, know thyself, David. That's where we start, isn't it? The single most important part to financial well-being, I think, is to work out what you want from life, spend your money on that. The phrase that we use, I think, probably every single podcast. And if there's one thing that I've learned over 20 years of financial planning and 40-plus episodes of this podcast... Get us. It is, it is that when people work out what gives them well-being, then accumulating wealth is not one of the things that features. And, and and after 40 plus podcasts, even I have worked out that there are five essential parts of creating financial well-being, having a plan, getting control, coping with shocks, having options and getting things in order for those we leave behind. And these podcasts have been worthwhile for that moment, if no other. <laughs> well done, David. I can hear all. I can hear both of our listeners applauding as we speak. <laughs> so let's look at the idea of the plan first. Working out what will make you happy, obviously, is the first stage of this. Um, and it might not be what people first think, uh, at least not financially. Um, and a lot of our podcasts have, have focused on this. You know, such as the interview with. American financial planning legend Carl Richards in episode 15. We're going to refer to a few of the podcasts because there might be people new to this podcast, you know, and they might not want to listen to all 40 or plus episodes. And, I think they uh, should, though. <laughs> we'll send them the highlights. And to be quite frank, Carl Richards is far better at putting it putting his point than across we than we are, so listen to him. <laughs> so um, there's five parts to well-being in general. Financial well-being is just one of them. In fact, it's not even the most important one. Yeah, and that's something that I've really taken from these podcasts. Podcast. It's social well-being, isn't it, that's the most important. The frequency of social interaction 
and the, the strength and the quality of our social relationships. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's by some distance the mo most important factor. I'll refer uh, listeners to the Harvard study. If you type in Harvard study of happiness, you'll see a, a TED talk which is absolutely brilliant on this subject. So the charity, the Mental Health Foundation, lists five things that we can do to improve our social interaction. So if I thought I'd read these out and, you know, you guys might have a little thought or comment or, or how we can um, provide a financial angle to this. So the first suggestion that they make, which is bloody obvious, really, put time aside to connect with friends and family. Yeah, now, although important. that's obvious, you've got to actually do it, haven't mm. you? Well, particularly now, I mean, you've still got your kids living at home. My son now has moved away. He was 30 earlier this month. And uh, although he still lives relatively locally, I have to make more of an effort to keep in touch with him. And otherwise, the danger is you kind of take it for granted that he's still around. And so, you know, we both make sure that, uh, that, that certainly once a week we try. And if not that, once every 10 days or every fortnight, that we actually put time aside mm. to get together. You've got to put it in the diary, put reminders, actively do and some stuff. And there could be a, a slight financial element to this. We talk often about spending money on experiences with people. So there's there's a link there that, you know, you could might just be that every week you go and have a nice meal together. Mm. Um, or if you haven't seen someone in a little while, it's paying for a train ticket to go up and see them for the weekend. So there good is use a... Of money. Good yeah, use of good money. use yeah. of money. So number two, be present. Specifically, uh, say the Mental Health Foundation, put away your phone and switch out of work mode. Oh, that is so true. I mean, I am a, I'm a, I'm a man of a certain age. I'm not a young man anymore, uh, but I... Young at heart, definitely. <laughs> but I, I, like many others, have completely embraced the smartphone. And actually, I find it very, very difficult. We went on holiday recently. Unfortunately, there was no Wi-Fi in the place that we were staying at in France. So it's actually quite blissful when you find that. It was, yeah. Out, for it? the first couple of days, I got very twitchy. But then I, actually, after a while, I thought, well, I just won't have the phone. I don't need it. I read loads of books and, and I just felt a lot better for it. So, mm. But you have to work very, very hard. Yeah, and I think that's the point that. of all of these things on this list are things that you have to work at. I got, I got a fantastic tip only last week from a financial planner, Catherine Morgan. You know Catherine yep. well. And she said what she does is she tries to imagine herself putting a different hat on before she gets to the door at home. So she'll have a work hat on and then when she gets to the door, it would be, right, mum hat or wife hat, whatever it might be, so that she's just right, I'm in that mindset, and that's just switching off from work. And I thought that was a really good tip for people to visualise that yeah, changing really of roles. I mean, you all know, Tomo, from the days when I used to have any form of influence innovation, <laughs> that I used to get quite annoyed. If I, I would send an email on a Sunday afternoon, and I'd get a reply ten minutes later from one of them, and what the hell are you doing? Mm. And they'd go back, well, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Fair enough. So, so number three, listen. Pardon? Uh, I think the idea here is that uh, we all spend so much time trying to tell anybody, everybody our brilliant ideas that we don't really, if we're honest, spend enough time listening to other people's brilliant ideas. And a bit more listening in the world, I think, would probably be quite a good thing. But at the same time, number four, be listened to. So it's all about sharing. And I think that's re actually really good advice um, that people, when, you, when you're with, in, your, in your social situation, you know, be conscious, be present, but listen to the other person and really engage rather than just, you know, we, I think there's a lot of going around telling everybody what they're doing wrong going on in the world. And rather hypocritically, I think that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's very true. I think generally sharing ideas, sharing feelings as well, sharing emotions. You're feeling a bit down, that classic British thing. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. Great. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, actually, yeah. inside, you're not that fine. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to 
open your heart completely but at the same time if you've got stuff going on in your life talk about it share those feelings yeah and then number five recognize unhealthy relationships right i'm off (laughs) (laughs) so you know there are people who are mood suckers aren't there there are people who uh, are a little bit poisonous Unhealthy relationships with money no, as God. well. Tombo's here. That's a bit awkward, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the summary of that is have a financial plan, work out how you can use your money to make you happier. And to do that, work towards things that will make you happy in the future, but also allows you to spend time and money on things that will make you happy now, taking into account those tips from the Mental Health Foundation. Okay, so bringing it back to the financial well-being element of things, you know, as for actually how you can make your financial plan. We're not going to go over that again today because there's a fair bit of detail in that. And guess what? The previous it was coming in episode 22. 22. All of this will be in the show notes, uh, listeners. And this goes through how to actually create a financial plan. So, yeah, episode 22. The next then of the five blanks is getting control, taking control of your daily finances. And this is about having a handle on your budgeting and your money. So this is in budgeting. It's dealing with debt as well as an important part of this, but understanding where your money actually goes. And that will help everybody. So uh, this is a really important point because we do have to have a control on where our money's going. Um, because ultimately we want to make sure there's some left at the end of the month to help with our um, well-being and make sure we're spending our money on, on things that we value. I use a really useful app. I find it extremely useful for my day-to-day budgeting and it's called Money Hub. And essentially what this does is you link your bank account to this app and due to some changes in rules in January of this year, you're not breaking your terms and conditions by doing so. They're an FCA regulated company and they just basically look at the transactions that are going on in your account, put it into the app and split it out for you so you know exactly where your money's going um, and you can get a comment and quickly get right how much have I spent this month where's my money going and it really just helps it sort of takes some of the time and effort away from doing that manual spreadsheet oh what a good idea I'm going to look into that yeah. money hub money hub yeah really worthwhile so the next one is coping with shocks um, that's a big contributor with well-being but the important thing is that you know that you would be able to cope with the shock so it's not about actually coping although it would be if it happens clearly but for most of us those shocks won't happen and so it's knowing that you're going to be able to cope with those shocks um, if something awful was going to happen and one of these areas I mean we talk about life assurance obviously we can talk about lots of things but one of the areas that particularly I think um, is, a, is a daily worry for people is investment risk no one likes to see their money go down. The word guaranteed used to be used to sell investment products and you can't do that anymore because nothing is really guaranteed. But it was a really good thing to sell products because people like to be able to sleep at night. This is really important. I think it shows the importance of making sure that your attitude to risk is linked to your investments and making sure you're taking an amount of risk that you're comfortable with that is right for your situation and circumstances Um, and you always mention the golfer Paul Casey and we repeat it quite often because this is a terrific tip asked top tip for golfers he said don't play any shot that's going to make your heartbeat increase Mm. and it's a great tip for investment risk as well so that's a good easy way to know are my investments matching my attitude to investment risk I don't know are you scared (laughs) if you are you're probably not matched 
it's also why it's such a great uh, and important topic. It's why we've covered this in quite a few podcasts. So uh, experts on this area are Neil Bage, Greg Davis, Daniel Crosby. All of those interviews are full of fascinating insights on how to manage investments. Just to go back a bit, you mentioned life assurance. Presumably knowing that your loved ones will be looked after if anything happens to you is also part of the getting things in order for those that we leave behind aspect as yeah, well. Absolutely. Um, and I think it's worth repeating at this point, one of the things that really hit home to me during a recent podcast, I think, arguably the very best interview that we've had with uh, Dr. Catherine Zolman, who's the lead medical practitioner at Penny Bron. And um, regular listeners will know that the proceeds go to Penny Bron, and uh, I'm a director there, and Susie, my wife, is a nurse there as well. And something that both Susie and Catherine have said is that people who have a cancer diagnosis often report an increase in their well-being. Wow, and what do they put that down to? Well, I think mainly the fact that when you get something as serious as a life-threatening illness, everything else seems a little bit insignificant in comparison. Yeah, and as a result, you presumably get a greater perspective on what's important in life. And and you know, I've talked about it on the podcast before. Uh, my late wife, Dinah, who died uh, over five years ago now, uh, she was very ill with MS, and that became a huge part of her life, clearly, and my life and our son's life. But actually, it does bring a different perspective on your life. And as I look back now, with the benefit of five years away from that, Although there were some very, very tough times personally for me at the time, I always think in a strange sort of a way, it kind of made me a better person as well because it made me understand more about, a bit like financial investment, you know, life can go up and it can go down. <laughs> um, and actually sometimes you need to have the downs to appreciate the ups. It's very easy for me to say this and, and having not gone through something like that, David, but it's almost adversity will happen and it's trying to learn from those experiences to inform the rest of your life. And you could take that from how you think about life and what's important to you. You know, I'm going to be really boring. You could take this back to that investment risk question of actually when you go do, through the downs, remember what that feels like and how uh, do, would you want to go through that again and how would you behave in the future? So. I, I met an adult person recently who is still grieving for the loss of her mother who died 18 years ago. Mm. Now, clearly it's very sad, and clearly when your mother dies, and her mother died unnaturally young, but there has to be a time when you've got to move on. You've got to move on. Never let that pain go, but actually use it and do something positive with it. So that brings us a little bit, actually, to the fifth of the five, um, having financial options. Because, or options in life, but obviously this is a financial wellbeing podcast, so financial options. And there are a number of aspects to this. So um, the first way to increase your financial options is, let's not deny it, to have some more money. <laughs> so, so, so money does make you happier? Yes, uh, some money makes you happier. Um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, for those that know it, will come in here. I've been talking for over a decade for, to financial planning clients at Ovation about how financial planning is all about working out how much is enough. What is the right amount of money for you? So once you've got to that level, any more isn't going to make you any happier. So on the one hand, we've got the things we think that will make us happy. On the other hand, we've got the amount of money we actually have. So if those two don't meet, you've got two choices. Number one, change what makes us happy, 
Or number two, get more money, usually in the form of savings for the future. Now, for clarification, what do you mean by changing what makes us happy? In many ways, this is the point of these podcasts, to educate us all as to actually what is giving us well-being in order that we can generate more options. So the recent episode with Tim Kasser, episode 42, and I know now that the value of wanting, having a value of believing that wanting to accumulate wealth and possessions well, is a good thing, actually, makes me unhappy. So by knowing that fact, I can change my attitude and therefore I can increase my well-being. I would also say at this point, if you are focusing on a lifestyle that might not necessarily be attainable, that puts its own pressures on. So actually just changing some things and going, actually, is that really what I want? And can I just sort of lower the bar a little bit? For some people, might just take away some of that stress and anxiety. Which is why we started with Know Thyself. Work out what you want from life, spend your money on that. So to finish with, I thought I would just uh, give a few statements from a fascinating book that I'm, uh, I'm halfway through called The Origins of Happiness. The authors are academics, uh, including a guy called Richard Layard, who some consider to be the founder of well-being studies. And it's got extensive research of well-being over the last few decades. It brings it all together. So it's like a, a, a meta-analysis, I think they call them. So I've given you both some of these statements to read out, some of the conclusions about well-being to read out. The conclusions are aimed at policymakers, so the book is aimed at kind of government and policymakers. But I think they all have something to say about us individually as well. So let's each read out a couple of the conclusions and see what we think of them. Okay. So increases in income have small impact on overall happiness in a society. This is because A... Doubling a person's income has a minor effect on their happiness and B, people mainly care about their income relative to other people. I had a year about 10 years ago, a bit longer now actually, where I earned a huge amount of money in one year, the most I've ever earned in one year. But in order to do that, quite seriously, I nearly killed myself. Mm. I was working so hard, I got so stressed I was on the verge of a nervous breakdown. It was a time when Dinah was very, very ill as well, and so that wasn't helping things. And although at the end of it I had a lot of money in the bank, it was probably the most miserable year I've ever had. Mm. Because the price I had to pay to get that money in was quite frankly not worth paying. Yeah, and and the fact that um, people mainly care about their income relative to other people. Mm. So if your income goes um, up and somebody else's doesn't, then probably that's going to make you feel a little bit better. Mm. I'm not sure that's a a good character trait, but it's there. So whereas if everybody's income goes up, nobody's going to be any happier. Uh, Right, there's another one, another conclusion it draws. Unemployment has a large negative effect on well-being, but this is more to do with sense of purpose and it is money. So isn't that great? All the analysis of the wellbeing studies over 30 years has come to the conclusion that unemployment is a bad thing. (laughs) Well, but it's not because of the lack of money. It's about sense of purpose in life. So again, know thyself, work out what will make you happy. And obviously being unemployed, you you can't always do something about that, but try and get employment that will give you fulfilment. Yeah, well, in in my early life, uh, I had spells of unemployment. And yeah, money was tight. But actually, it was that sense of what am I I doing? What am I doing with my life that was the most difficult thing to deal with? And, And as we go back, this is key messages to policy makers because I completely understand that it's not always easy to find work and it's just trying to encourage policymakers of how can we help businesses um, or the economy provide these jobs that are going to give 
um, people well, you know, well-being uh, and, actually and a that, sense of that, purpose. Let's give some credit. You know, unemployment rates in the UK are pretty low. So this is aimed at the world, uh, at, at all governments. Now, another one, being part of a meaningful relationship has a big effect on well-being. Now, we know that. We've talked about that. Um, that's been a main theme from many of these podcasts. The biggest predictor of well-being is mental health. Our financial position does not have a great effect on mental health. We talk a lot about how the different areas of well-being all interact with each other. Actually, that's one that doesn't. And that's cool. You know, it, again, it's a good thing to know if uh, the mental health issues are massively important and um, I think greatly under-discussed in the UK. Actually. Well, absolutely. And I, and I see this as part of the work that I do now as a, I think I've mentioned in previous podcasts, I'm a fellow of the Royal Literary Fund and that means I spend two days a week at Bristol University mentoring students to help them with their written work. And you can see amongst that generation of kids 18, 19, 20, 21, the mental health issues that they are dealing with are manifesting themselves as part of their everyday lives. Certainly weren't around when I was at university. Mm. And presumably the biggest thing we can do to help them, I'm guessing from some of the conclusions we're reading out here, is to help them finding their own sense of purpose. Yes, yes. And, and it's interesting that the whole wealth and mental health being connected, you see more and more and there's a lot more support for professional footballers who have come out and said they're dealing with mental health issues and they are well, you know, quite a lot of these young men are, are very wealthy but that doesn't mean that they don't have mental health issues. So there's an interesting, perhaps, evidence there. Absolutely. Next conclusion. Education itself has a very small effect on well-being. However, people do tend to value their education relative to their peers. Aren't we a fickle bunch of people? <laughs> <laughs> I think we are, yeah. <laughs> OK, last one. Society as a whole is a huge determinator of happiness. A society where people trust each other is a big positive. Restrictive freedoms is a big negative. So politicians who stir up unrest to further their own careers are having an enormously negative effect on the well-being of society. Well, that is so true. And, and there was a time, maybe it was a perception, but I think it was largely true, where politicians were seen to be, by and large, people who were there for the benefit of society. The general view of politicians now, which may not be completely true, is that they are people who are there to exploit society mm. and, and, and to, to their own ends. And I think that is one of the biggest failings that we need to address as a society. Though. Because it is causing negative well-being exactly. on society. Exactly. Yeah. Well, what a fantastic conversation we've had today. Really, really enjoyed that. Fascinating contribution to Talk Money Week. We've digressed at times, but that's the joy of this podcast. Typically wide-ranging approach that we like to take. So how can people find out more about Talk Money Week, Tomo, and perhaps pick up some practical tips in the process? Fincap.org.uk is the place. And we did a How to Get Help episode. All the links will be on the podcast to these episodes to, to refer you back to where we gave some uh, places where people can really start to do some practical things, as well as obviously the financial wellbeing book. Fantastic. Well, what a great chat it's been today. Really enjoyed your company today, guys. I hope you've enjoyed listening to it at home or in the car or wherever you do listen to it. And please tune in next time we come back with another Financial Wellbeing Podcast. If you want to be notified of upcoming podcasts, make sure you click the subscribe button. For more information on the topics discussed in today's podcast and to purchase a copy of the Financial Wellbeing book, please visit www.financialwell-being.co.uk. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas on financial well-being. 
you can send us an email at contact at financialwell-being.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at FinWellBeing. Chris is Ovation Chris, and David is at Dave underscore Backwell. This has been an Ovation Finance production. Thanks for listening to the Financial Wellbeing Podcast. More interesting than you might think.